go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 9. Uh, at some point, Lord willing, we'll uh, go back to Genesis at some time and uh, look at other events that took place back in the uh, early days of God's redemption, redemptive, redemptive history. But uh, today we're going to start a series, and tonight we're going to start a series on 1 Corinthians. Again, uh, because it is 15 chapters, I doubt we're going to be going, or 16 chapters, we're not going to go through all of them, but we will get a start, get a toehold, and start here with the introduction that we find in 1 Corinthians, right after Romans in the New Testament. We're going to be reading the first nine verses there and looking at the introduction, greeting and gratitude that Paul expresses here at the beginning of 1 Corinthians. Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called, into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we thank the Lord for His Word tonight. May it indeed be a blessing for us as we receive it in ministry as well. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, many times when we're introduced to somebody or someone is introduced to us, what we learn in those introductions are quite limited, to admit that. Besides their names, we might find out where they live, what they might do for a living, or why they are where they are at the moment that we've met him or met them. But we don't learn much more than that in an introduction, because beyond that, well, we might learn other things, but then we're no longer into introductions anymore. We hear about introductions that you might give uh, when uh, you read a book and there's uh, a basic feel that you get about the book, maybe on the cover on the end, or the back of the, co- back of the book, or, or maybe somebody writes a bit of uh, a note of praise uh, to help in, entice somebody or to enhance somebody to pick up the book and read it. Introductions are given to speeches, to sermons, and their lead-ins into the, the bulk of what's about to be said. Uh, they tend to be short uh, in that way because they're not going to tell you everything that the person's going to speak about. They give you a taste of it. Uh, or they, they're designed to, perk, uh, to pique your interest. 
and, uh, and, and the interest in what's about to be spoken about. And so tonight, we're, we're looking, too, at introduction. We're looking at an introduction to a very lengthy letter. So in comparison to the rest of the letter, it's rather short. And introductions tend to be like that anyway. It's lengthy because uh, the letter is, because it is uh, written to the church in Corinth, uh, which was at its time a bit of a living reminder that the church had not reached the other side of glory yet. Paul needed to write to them about many things. And uh, they covered a lot of ground, those things of which he wrote. Sacrament, worship, spiritual gifts, immorality, lawsuits, division, resurrection, giving. Those are just a few of the things that got addressed. His introduction gives us, though, a taste of that pastoral counsel that Paul was going to give as an apostle to Christ's church in Corinth. They needed to hear this introduction. They needed to hear what was about to be said. And they worked together, both the intro and the body of the letter, to accomplish what needed to be accomplished before the church of Corinth. And so tonight... As we start another series, we started on the letter of the Corinthians, we're going to consider the introduction to this letter. And it includes Paul's greetings and also his gratitude, or as I have it in the bulletin, um, greetings and thanksgiving. So first of all, we look at the greetings. And as we know, uh, greetings are quite common in, in all letters, in most letters. Uh, whether you're talking about one from way back when or whether you're talking about today. Identifying who we are today is usually taken up in the letterhead or a name, an address at the top of the letter, and then it's followed by some sort of salute <clears throat> or common acknowledgement to kind of get the ball rolling, to kind of set the stage, set the tone. Uh, we say at least we used to a lot of times, to say, dear so-and-so. We might not have a dear relationship with this person, but it, it's, a, it's a word that's been used to, again, kind of set that cordial tone. Or we might say greetings, or how are things going? Well, with Paul's letter, we have a little bit more elaborate greetings. Uh, you would think it would be enough to mention that he was Paul. But it was important to know who Paul was. And because of those who in Corinth were questioning his authority, Paul needs to lay out his apostolic calling that was established in Christ by the will of God. And so when you pick up the very first verse, you hear Paul describing himself this way, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. And then he mentions his brother Sosthenes who works with him. But in that, that first part of the introduction, uh, you kind of see two sides of a coin as he's addressing the issue of apostolic authority. One side of the coin is laying out to the Corinthians from the outset uh, that you shouldn't be guessing, you shouldn't be wondering, and you shouldn't be underestimating who I am. I'm of apostolic authority. And that shouldn't be underestimated by Corinth. 
or any other church that seeks to carry the name of Christ. Paul would say later in the 14th chapter of this letter that churches that want to call themselves churches and that ignore apostolic authority uh, of people like Paul are going to be churches that in turn need to be ignored because they are not respecting apostolic authority. It would be the apostolic message of crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ that Paul would say in the 15th chapter, that was the basic message that was to be preached and had been preached to Corinth. And that again, if that message gets ignored, then whatever else it is that one believes is worthless. That apostolic authority has to be, of course, honored today as well. We are called as the church to confess that we are an apostolic church. We believe that the holy apostolic church, and it's not because we believe that, that apostles still exist today in whatever form people make them out to be, but that the apostolic authority of the word of God continues today. And such authority needs to be respected today. Uh, and not be thrown on the shelf as if it's just too old for us newcomers and, and us more enlightened people to follow. Paul made that plain to the Corinthian church back then that was questioning his apostolic authority, and it is because he made it plain to them that it also needs to be honored by us today as well. So that's one side of that coin as he introduces himself as an apostolic authority. The other side of it, and that's something that was very important for these people to hear, given some of the struggles they were facing, is that Paul recognized his authority as a matter of sovereign grace. He is the apostle that he is by the will of God. He was an apostle not by his own will, but because of the will of God. In God's sovereign grace, Paul was called to carry out this calling. He was called by the will of God. God had so enabled him, God had so commanded him to this noble calling that was his. Now, Paul would later say that Jesus Christ appeared to him. He'll say this later in 1 Corinthians 15. He'll, he says that Christ appeared to him as one abnormally born, the least of the apostles, who's unworthy in his own right of serving in the kingdom of God, let alone apostolically. Paul, apostle as he was, knew his place. And his place was given to him by the grace of God, to testify to the grace of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the reason for that was in order to promote a gracious spirit in the church, and particularly here in the church of Corinth. And that's, that's something that's going to ride through the letter as we continue to look at it, uh, that, that spirit of grace is going to be that which is pronounced and, and made profoundly 
clear to the Corinthians and it needed to be. Again, he knew his place. His place was given to him by the grace of God, testified to the grace of God in order to promote a gracious spirit in the church of Corinth. Because the lessons of grace were lost to many in Corinth. And because they were lost to many in Corinth, this is why this letter is 16 chapters long. This is what the reason why so many problems were occurring in Corinth. Because the lessons of grace were being lost, people were found, they were found boasting in themselves, looking out for themselves only, and they were living like people who acted who acted like they didn't know grace. Living like people who didn't realize that they were bought with a price. Paul in chapter 6 is going to have to talk like that. Uh, don't you know that you were bought with a price? And that should affect how you live. You need to live like those who know that you were bought with a price, that you belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to Jesus Christ, who, who gave himself for you. And so even when mentioning that he was an apostle by the will of God, Paul is making clear that Paul is not boasting in his standing. Yeah, he's an apostle, but he's an apostle by grace. He's boasting rather in the sovereign grace of God to use him in this apostolic way. He wanted to promote a gracious spirit in the church, a gracious spirit in which he's calling us as well when we hear his word. So to whom does he write in his greeting? We talk about this, this double-sided coin that speaks to his apostolic authority, but then to whom is he writing as he is greeting? Well, he's writing to the church of God that's in Corinth. And Corinth at that time was a very cosmopolitan type of town. It was a town of shipping. It was a town of culture. But it was also a town of immorality. It was a town that was comprised of people from all ethnic walks of life. It was a it was the capital town of, uh, of what would now be considered modern Greece, then known as Achaia. In its prime, it boasted about 200,000 people, but its own city name was associated with immorality. You know, it's kind of like, and I don't... Yeah, it, it's like certain towns even in... Put it that way, there's certain towns that we know of certain cities, like, like, like Las Vegas was known as Sin City, right? That's what it's known. It's not what it's been known as. Maybe not so much anymore by people, but it used to be. Just you associate this town with certain impropriety or immorality. Well, that's how Corinth was. But as Paul was called to be an apostle, the people in Corinth, we hear, are called to be saints. They're called to be saints as though sanctified by Christ. A lot of talk about calling here. Sanctification here means to consecrate the holy service. And so to be sanctified by Christ 
called to be saints meant that the church in a town that was not known for holiness uh, was called to serve in a holy way, a different way, a sanctified way. And, and both service and holiness were challenges for those associated with this church and, and when you're, you're immersed in this culture that surrounds you that wants to tell you that's not the way you ought to live. You shouldn't live in service and holiness. Just figure it out for yourself. Do what you want to do. And don't try to be distinctive. Don't let the creed impact how you live. Let the culture impact how you live. And, and of course, we live in those, uh, those kind of days too. A lot of times people don't even recognize it. don't even see it. They don't realize it. How much the culture ends up becoming the determiner as the determinator of the creed. When we, when we go through the letter, we'll, we see how often the pride of association or the pride of personal ability becomes a problem. And we'll also see how the issue of immorality becomes a problem. <laughs> and we see the problem of people more concerned about being in the front of the line than they are about letting others go before them. The Apostle addresses the church in, in the way uh, that, that those who are truly in the church truly are. Sounds like a mouthful maybe, but say it again. The, Paul addresses the church in the way that those who are truly in the church truly are. They're saints. They're people who are cleansed by Christ so that they can serve in a holy way and for his people. The church then is always to keep in mind what they have been made in grace and why they were made that way. The church needs to see what Christ has done for them and, and what they in turn are called to do in gratitude for him. And anybody who has truly known the gospel then, and this is the thing that, that the apostle is going to carry on and focus on and, and, and drive home. Anybody who truly knows the gospel is going to keep those gracious and holy truths in mind so that they in turn can be gracious and holy. Grace is the key. When people call people to when God calls people to holiness, it's a gracious calling that can only be done. Because God has cleansed them in Christ to do it. But that's our calling, isn't it? It's a holy calling, holy living. We're called to, to, to live as living temples of the Holy Spirit. We've been graciously called to this or that. And that uh, we will in turn uh, do so in gracious and holy ways. If then we find ourselves you know, as we're going through life and, and we're finding ourselves less than gracious and less than holy, and we see that going on, then that should move us to penitence, to repentance, and that should move us to sadness because that just isn't our calling. It isn't. That's, that's the way the world operates. If we find our attitudes to be anything less than, than that of a servant of the Lord, even as Paul himself was, 
greater still as Jesus himself was, then that too should move us to repentance and, and the seeking of forgiveness <clears throat> because such is not the calling of the saints. To be apostolic followers is to be followers of Christ. And after all, as the passage makes clear to us, the church's first purpose is not to be making a name for herself. And grace was not given to them for their own selfish purposes. It was given so that we would call upon the name of the Lord. Called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. We, we call on the name of the Lord again for help to be sure. We do that. But, but to boast in Him, to, to brag about Him, to serve Him so that when people see us, they see Christ, as it were. Because it, it just permeates us that we're, we're, we're seeking to live for Him. To worship Him in the times that we gather on days such as these, but, but also in service to Him every day. And notice also then in, in this greeting, and, and I'm spending a lot of time on the greeting, I spend a little bit of time on the gratitude too, of course, but, but notice that Paul is in, including, when he includes Corinth, he includes Corinth with all churches of grace. He says again that they're called to be sent saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Paul noticed that there were those who were ignoring apostolic authority, were acting as if they were some sort of spiritual island. Was it from you that the word of God came, or are you the only ones that has reached? He'll speak about that, Corinthians. They were acting in a spirit that was contrary to the true churches, uh, to the way true churches were ordering themselves. In chapter 16, he's going to remind them in matters of both generosity and greeting that there were responsibilities and blessings in acknowledging the broader church of Jesus Christ. The broader church's needs, the broader church can be a blessing to us so that we don't sense that we're alone in the faith. It's tempting to, to become spiritual islands as individual churches where where we don't benefit from the idea of the broader idea of the communion of the saints. That attitude doesn't help other churches, it doesn't help us, and it can lead to what happened among some in the church at Corinth, a spirit of individualism that says we're not accountable to anybody but ourselves. That's a dangerous attitude that can lead to a disobedience to the Word of God. I guess you could say, too, that you know, even meeting together as a synod like we do this, this coming week is kind of an expression of that, isn't it? We're not by ourselves out here. We're not the only church around. We have brothers and sisters throughout the world. We have brothers and sisters through our federation. We have ties that bind us to others. And there's something very encouraging about that. Uh, there's times where, yeah, that, that means uh, that there's, we need to have an awareness of that. Maybe there's needs that are in other places besides our own. And as the Lord has allowed us, then we try to help in that regard. But, uh, that's part of what the Apostle was trying to uh, forestall. He was trying to get ahead of that curve so that 
people at Corinth wouldn't forget that uh, there are other churches, too, that call upon the name of the Lord. We want to take a look a moment, too, at the gratitude that's going on here. And, and Paul is always that kind of person, isn't he? Oftentimes we see that in his introductions. He, he's that example of gratitude. When he sees the church, he sees there's reason for expressing thanksgiving to God. And, and that's a blessing to be in part of a fellowship like that. That's, that's a blessing for anybody who's a part of that. It's a blessing for, for me. It's a blessing for my wife. It's a blessing for our family. It's, you know, that, that you can be grateful wherever you find yourself ministering. That you can say, you can look out around and you can say, what, what a blessing to be with God's people. What a blessing they've been. What, what reasons to give thanks. You always can give thanks if for no other reason because the fellowship of faith is there where you are, supportive. And God knows how you have been that way to us. But in our passage here, the, the apostles also expressing that kind of thanksgiving. And, and, and you, can, you, can, you can divide it in three ways as we're looking through this portion of thanksgiving briefly. Uh, there's, there's thanks to God for the blessings of faith that he sees. There's, there's thanks to God for his sufficiency. And there's thanks to God for his faithfulness. Those are three ways in which he expresses that thing. Now, some of these verses are difficult when you're, you know, you're reading about this and you hear that in every way you were enriched in him. Uh, I'll, I'll back up. It says, I, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed about uh, among you. Um, Paul, Paul, yeah, Paul sees the problems that are at the church, but, but there would seem to be a relationship here that we, we read about here in these verses uh, between the blessing of faith and the blessing of God's sufficient gift. Now Paul, is, he sees the problems that occur at Corinth, but he still sees God's hand at work there. And that should encourage us. You know, we're not the, we're not the perfect church. No church is. But the truth of God is there. The truth, the true church is, is to be found. He sees that God has confirmed the testimony of Christ in these people because they've responded in faith. But Paul is also thankful that not only has God blessed them with the gift of faith, but that in relationship to that faith, he has also granted to them fruits of that faith or virtues of that faith. He says, so that you're not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He mentions speech. He mentions knowledge amongst those virtues or gifts. In other words, one of the things that, that makes Paul grateful is that the, the faithful at Corinth, that among them, there was both an understanding of the ways of the Lord in knowledge but there's also a willingness to speak the word of the Lord for the benefit of others, and that's dealing with the speech element. Now, not everybody had that spirit. Not everybody had a gracious spirit, and not all were worried about others. But insofar as that spirit and giftedness was displayed in the church, Paul was thankful for that. He also rejoices that they have all what they need when it comes to the gifts of God. And you know that's going to be talked about later in, that, in this letter. God equips His church sufficiently. 
He doesn't leave them ill-equipped. And that doesn't mean they should forget about the broader church, but there's something of a blessing to be sure and a reason for thanksgiving that He supplies for them so that there is a sufficiency to serve the Lord well. And when we see God at work in us so that we can be at work in others, we, we see doubly our need for humility because He's gifted us and thanksgiving to God because He's gifted us. And when we see that in others, then we also see our reason to thank God. And, and it's good. It's okay to tell people that. The Apostle did it. And we should do it too. It, it, it only spurs us on, right? To further love and good deeds and, and to be further blessed. If we've been recipients of that. And uh, we shouldn't hold back express our thanksgivings and yeah I even I mean to be honest I, I, I thought about it throughout these last couple of weeks just certain ways certain people have show, expressed thanksgiving on to me and or to my family and and I'm humbled by that but it, it's such a blessing to see that and even you know little children doing that um, sometimes they they want to they want to give you gifts you know they give you a little pencil drawing or something they want to share with you you know it's so those are blessings. You know? Infant voices raised to thee, humble praises, holy Jesus. And, and the little ones can, can show their ways of, of appreciation or joy or what have you in, in some remarkable ways. And so we thank the Lord for those sort of things. And, and we can all learn lessons from that. Uh, you notice also that Paul mentions in gratitude that the faithful God will provide to the end. Right? He'll sustain you to the end. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's because of God's grace in Christ that we will be considered blameless in the end. Reason for thanks. Paul needs to mention the coming of the Lord because there are those who were disbelieving the resurrection. Chapter 15. And they were not setting their sights on the risen Lord's long-range plans of swallowing up death and victory. And they needed to see that the only reason their labors and their services were not in vain was because the risen Christ was going to return to make everything new. And the only way they would remain strong was not because they could take pride in themselves and how marvelous they were, but because they could take pride in God. And they could thank God, who not only began a good work in them, was sustaining them sufficiently with gifts, but who would sustain them. I mean, that's the gospel after all. Oh God, our help in ages past, our help for years to come. Gospel's great from first to last. When we believe, the last when Christ returns, that's how faithful He is. That's why we thank Him. That's why our boast is not in ourselves, but in Him. If, if that's not the gospel that's at work in our lives, then our vision is very short-sighted. And it'll, it'll, in fact, turn in on us. 
and it'll be directed to ourselves, and that's all we'll worry about. And we'll have no desire to thank the Lord. We'll have no desire to let somebody else get in front of us and let us get in the back. We'll have no real reason to love God or love neighbor, but we will be a thankful people. And we have that you know, holiday coming up again where we express that, but, but we will be a thankful people if we remember that God has blessed us with faith from the beginning, has endowed us with gifts for the present to serve Him and His people, and He'll keep us strong to the end. And for an end that will have its own wondrous, resurrected beginnings for us in Christ. That's why Paul's thankful. That's why we should be. And so through his greetings and his gratitude, then Paul is introducing this letter to the church to remind them of God's grace and Christ. And then their calling to reflect that grace in the life of the church. So that grace and peace, the grace and peace from God would be there. Through God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And it would be evident. May God grant us His grace and peace so that that very same gracious Spirit that we're called to remember in our hearts and our heads may permeate everything that we do in the life of the Church of Jesus Christ today. For the glory of God, holy called to serve, called to be saved in Christ Jesus. Amen. Take a moment to respond in prayer. We would ask, Heavenly Father, again, thanking you for the greetings that the Apostle gave long ago that are still to be ours to receive, to respect his apostolic authority sent as one by Jesus Christ, and also to hear the lessons he was learning. Because he wasn't bragging himself. He knew that he was who he was by the will of God. And by the grace of God. And he wanted to teach the church, as he does today, not only to respect the apostolic authority, but to, to appreciate the grace of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ so that we'd hear the calling to be saved, to live holy, to live in serve us, and then to give thanks to you, as the Apostle did, that you're the one that has begun a good work in us, you're, you're equipping us to serve you, and the gifts that you've given us and to serve others, and that we have reason for hope for the future, because you'll present us without spot or stain or wrinkle on the day of Jesus Christ, guiltless, blameless, thanks to Jesus. We have reason, Lord, to give you thanks for our past, our present, for our future. May we live gratefully as we're called to live graciously. We'd ask that you'd hear us in Jesus' name. Amen.